Welcome to the Chronically Courageous Podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie Howard. Since I was a child, I've had chronic pain, yet was told time and time again that it was all in my head. So I pushed through my symptoms and I built a successful career until I found myself crouched on the floor of my office, barely conscious. After finally getting a diagnosis, I had to learn how to embrace the life I've been given as fully and happily as possible. Now, it's my mission to help you do the same. Join my guests and I each week for inspiring stories and tips on navigating the complexities of chronic illness. Together, I believe we can move forward with courage, passion, and purpose. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Chronically Courageous. Today, I have with me a really amazing guest. His name is Adam Kruger. And Adam has been referred to as a Swiss Army knife because he does a whole bunch of different things. He graduated with a degree in marketing, uh, moved to Los Angeles to follow his passion for on-camera hosting and stand-up comedy. He's, he's done a whole bunch of things, a lot of things in, in media. Highlights include being on This Is LA on CBS, amongst many others. And recently, Adam has shifted his focus to include helping others achieve peace through mindfulness and meditation based on over 22 years of his own spiritual practice rooted in yoga and Ayurveda. And what I love about Adam is he does not make, yes, he, he has a chronic illness. He's been diagnosed with an autoimmune condition, but I've heard Adam in several interviews and several conversations, and it, that's never his focus. And I, I just think we can all learn so much from how Adam has addressed his situation and learn to kind of move past it and really live a very full and satisfying life. So with that, I'd like to welcome Adam Kruger. Welcome, Adam. Oh, thank you so much, Bonnie. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So Adam, can we first start just kind of fill people in a little bit on, you know, when you were diagnosed, how that all came about, what you were diagnosed with? Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. So growing up, I had an idyllic life, really, uh, up until the age of 13 when everything sort of fell apart. And I don't need to go into too much detail about that because the circumstances are sort of irrelevant. Just, you know, suffice it to say that my entire my entire home life basically just exploded at, at 13. And so there was it was there was a lot to take on as a young kid. And as I was 14 turning 15, I remember we were on holiday up in the Laurentian Mountains uh, north of Montreal. And I was there with my mom and my sister and a bunch of different families uh, that we were close family friends with. And it was like a ski vacation. And one night um, I woke up in the middle of the night with what can only be described as the most excruciating searing pain in my belly that I, I used to. So I, the way I used to describe it was if you heat up metal, right, it turns red hot. And if you continue mm -hmm. to heat it, it becomes white hot. Now imagine a white hot razor sharp knife slicing through your belly. I'm uh, sorry, this is a really bad image. Um, but but it was basically that night and imagine that you would not pass out from the pain that because you could just still feel it. It was this knife digging into my belly uh, and then someone pouring alcohol on top of that. So oh, that, sounds that like was fun. the 
it was it was great. Um, and so, uh, no, it was terrible. And I and I woke up and I literally crawled to my mom's bedside, and she didn't know what to do. And um, you know, so I was like drinking bottles of Pepto Bismol and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Again, fourteen years old. And so thus began the journey of, um, you know, going to the doctor to try to figure out what was going on. And so I would, I would kind of like this pain would come back and like, it would come and go, uh, on a daily basis. So it was, it was, it was really debilitating. I couldn't keep any food down. I couldn't eat, um, at the worst of my illness, as far as, you know, the, my body and where it was at. I was 16 years old at the time. I was about five foot eight. I'm only five foot nine now, so that you know should give a little bit of. <laughs> um, I grew that extra inch, but uh, at, right. I, I was five foot eight, hundred, uh, 102 pounds uh, oh at 16 years old. Yeah, so my biceps were like the size of my wrists. Oh. I was I was emaciated and I was weak and tired and and it was really it was really hard. And so about a year later, I finally got the diagnosis, which was a very rare. Uh, when I say rare, it's like 5% of the population of people who get diagnosed with this autoimmune disease have what I had, which it, it was a good thing because mm-hmm. it was never going to progress past it. So it was, it was uh, duodenal Crohn's. Hmm. And, and so, so that was kind of it. And they were like, well, you just need to take these pills and you'll be okay. I said, all right, fine. So I, I did. And, and I got better and I started to put on weight and I started to be able to eat and, but I was taking pills every day. Mm-hmm. Now, to to put things into perspective, of course, a lot of people who have had Crohn's disease or who have it. Now, again, I was told there's no cure for this. You're going to live with it for the rest of your life. There's nothing that you're going to be able to do to fix it. Um, this is just what it is. You're on pills forever. Now, some people or, or most people who have it end up having surgeries. They get like feet and feet of intestines removed. Yes. Some people end up in worse position. It's 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 a, it's an ugly, ugly thing. Mm. And and so. I remember at the age of 18, this is when I discovered meditation. I read, uh, I, I started reading, it was actually the Celestine prophecy that I read that helped me start eating vegetables again because I couldn't <laughs> digest vegetables at the time. Wow. Um, so, you know, raw vegetables are very hard for my for my digestive system because of what I've got going on. So um, I remember reading that and I remember, I remember having my first salad after reading that because understanding that whole energetic side of things and then feeling really good about it afterwards. And that, that really started me on my journey to, to health again. But I discovered meditation and I discovered, you know, the more spiritual side of things. And as I did that, I decided I didn't want to take pills anymore. And so mm-hmm. I remember I was, tw- I was 20 years old and I, I decided I'm like, I'm, I'm done. All right. So what, what, what makes my condition worse? I'm like, well, stress that makes everything yes. worse. I said, so so what do I stress over? Literally, this is my 20 year old Adam going, what do I stress over? I'm like, well, there's things that I can control and things that I can't control. Okay, well, the things I can control, I'm going to handle immediately. Boom, stress is gone. The things I can't control, I'm not going to worry about those anymore because I can't control them. So stressing about it doesn't solve my problem. It makes things worse. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Can we pause there for a second? Because I think yes. that I just want to like make sure people hear what you just said, because that is so huge. The fact that you're, you know, you're, you you have a choice. Like you don't need to stress over everything. And this year, especially, we have so much crazy stuff coming our direction, mm-hmm. but we don't necessarily need to react to it in a way that induces stress. So how do you stay in that place of, you know, being able to decipher and being able to kind of take things out of your periphery and, and not be stressed out by them? Massive effort. 
of course, it's <laughs> yes. not something, you know, um, but the more effort you put into it, you know, the easier it becomes. So, so with respect to not stressing, it's a very simple thing. I mean, really do things that you have control over. So a, a mantra that I use is do it now. If you have something that needs to be done and you have the ability to do it now, do it now. Cause you're going to save time, you know, down the line. If you just put it off, then all of a sudden other things start accumulating. So mm. if you have a second, just, just do it right away. If it's a phone call, if it's a text, if it's an email, if it's a whatever it is, just get it done, get it done and, and then forget about it. Because that's, that's the most effective way to handle your to-do list. Just mm -hmm. do it now, you know, and, and also remembering that not everything has to be done immediately. So you triage, right? What, whatever's important and has to be done in this moment, get it done. If something comes in and it's a simple, quick little thing, just get it done now because there's no reason not to. And then, and then, you know, work your way down your to-do list. And so that, that helps eliminate stress is once you're moving towards something and you're actually doing things, the stress actually lessens. Uh, a lot of the times people are, 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 are faced with a whole bunch of things that need to get done and we don't know where to begin. That's where the meditation practice comes in. When you, when mm -hmm. you have the ability to, or when you take the time to incorporate meditation into your daily routine, it, it brings life out in front of you a little bit further so that you have more of, a, of an awareness space to react to things where you're not just being hit with everything all at once. It kind of slows everything down for you. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I like to say is that the best response sometimes is no response at all, right? right? Give it a second. Let it breathe. Let it breathe like a fine wine. I don't even drink, but I know that wine needs to breathe. So, you know. Right. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> Let it breathe. So, so essentially I made that decision. And at 20, I took my last pill for, uh, wow. you know, for the medication that I was on, which is great because incidentally, uh, lately I found out that those pills uh, end up causing cancer. So, hey, oh. I, it's a good thing I'm not on them anymore. Yeah. Well, um, congratulations for doing that. Yeah. It, they, thank you. Now, that's <laughs> not to say that there haven't been other hiccups and issues and stuff along the way because mm -hmm. you know being a chronic condition you know it has come back in 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 some capacity and in other ways and and i had some issues over the last four years and in, in the stress that has been kind of it's been a little stressful you know mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. and as much as i feel like i don't allow things to affect me there sometimes they do and so i've had some issues over the last few years but again have dealt with them holistically so a lot of people think that you know, if you're going down a spiritual path or you're going down, uh, you know, a holistic healing path that, you know, Western medicine has no place. And, and I, I just want to say that that's nonsense and it's ridiculous because if you're in an acute situation, like, like, you know, someone, you you, you cut yourself wide open, right? And you yeah. need stitches. You're not going to be like, well, let me heal this with the power of thought. Like, no, <laughs> you go, you need, right. you need a All little right. bit of medical intervention. And then once you're stitched up, you can heal the rest with the power of thought and heal quicker, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so when it comes to that, you know, it, it it's important to have a double pronged approach and go as natural as you can, of course, because that's better for your body. But at the end of the day, there has to be a balance. So, Agreed. so I guess, I guess that's kind of the, the, the situation in a, in a nutshell, you know, from, from the time I was, you know, 20 years old, it was about meditation. It was about bettering myself. It was about becoming the best version of who I can be and, and learning to not take everything so personally, you mm -hmm. know, nothing's really personal in life. And I, I think a lot of the a lot of the stress that we have, and forgive me for rambling on, but um, a lot of the stress that we have <laughs> is it's because we take things personally. When someone says something, we 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 instantly allow it to affect us. Mm -hmm. Remember, nobody can take away your peace unless you give them permission to do That's so. That's right. 
Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I keep hearing stress is a recurring theme. So do, do you feel that stress is kind of a root cause? I, I'm, I'm very big on root cause also, because I believe that, yes, you know, we maybe have some genetic predispositions to certain things. And, you know, I know I do, but I believe that, you know, depending upon what our life circumstances are and what we go through in life and the various traumas and things like that, that so much of that can perpetuate and magnify whatever genetic things that we're set up for. So tell me, you know, what you think is the relationship between stress and what you've gone through with your health? Well, I mean, stress is a killer. Uh, it, it kills literally, I, I, I believe that stress is the root cause of probably like 80% of diseases on the mm-hmm. planet. I, I really do. I think genetics play a role. I think your mind plays a role because I, I believe in, and I believe science has proven everything's energy, right? So yeah. if everything's energy, then your thoughts about things are energy too. And that, that literally affects and shapes your reality. So, and I know that that can be hooey mumbo jumbo for people, but it's science, it's real. So, you know. I've seen it work with myself and with so many other people that I've had the pleasure to, to know and see go through this healing process. So I, I completely believe in it. Yeah, as as have I. And so so when I look at it and I go, okay, well, stress on a on a physiological level, what happens when you stress out? Well, when you stress for a second, right? Your body releases adrenaline, your pupils constrict. Um you are ready to either fight or flight, right? Mm-hmm. Those are those are the two things. That's what that's what stress does and it was meant to help us survive, right? That's what it was meant to do. Now, your brain uh, doesn't know the difference between a thought and something happening on the outside of you. And so um, I, we were talking before we started the interview about uh, Dr. Dispenza and, you know, Becoming Supernatural is a phenomenal book that I read. And it talks about the psychological, sorry, the physiological changes of, of what happens when you are meditating and when you're positively visualizing and, and how you can actually manifest things and what happens biochemically in the body when these things are, are occurring, right? Mm-hmm. And so with stress, what happens is it's meant to be helpful for us in the short term. But if you're long-term stressing and you're always stressed out, what happens is your cortisol levels rise. And when your cortisol levels rise, your immune system goes down. And when your immune system goes down, you're susceptible to all sorts of diseases. And when this is happening all the time, there's so many different systems in your body that go out of whack. So the main thing for me, in, in, in my opinion, for people in general is reduce your stress. Stop stressing so much. Let it go. Relax. Find some time to get to that happy place and stay there as much as you can. Uh, life isn't meant to be serious all the time. Like That's have right. a little, ha- get goofy once in a while. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. Playing is, is, is amazing. I mean, just taking yourself back to the, to when you were a kid and you don't have to be a kid to be a kid, right? Like, you know, no. we can, we can, we can still be there every day. And that's, that's one of the things I know you have a young son. And, you know, one of the things I love about being with children is it gives me permission to be a child. But what I've learned recently is I don't need that. I can be a child in and of myself if I want to, and it's fun and it's light and it lifts myself and the other people around me who may think I'm crazy or just may think I'm fun. But <laughs> I think that's huge. I agree. I agree. It's 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 having fun is necessary. I, I think that, I mean, it, to go back to an old saying, you know, all work and no play makes so and so a dull boy or whatever, which is a weird saying. Or a but sick it's boy. True. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the thing. That's the truth. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to find a good work life balance because if you don't have that, uh, you know, you don't have anything. And and honestly, you can have 
all the money in the world, literally, literally all the money in the world. But if you don't have health, you have nothing. So, you know, you have to prioritize your mental health and your physical health. And then from there, come from a a place of fullness and and give that way. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be kind of an off, like, off track question, but just made me think of it when you were talking about that. So, you know, you talk about all the money in the world and, you know, I think so many people define success as, you know, having the the perfect education, the perfect job, the, you know, the, the right amount of money in the bank, the perfect house, car, et cetera. But what I've learned through my experience is that I, I you know, I had those things and it, they don't matter because if you're not living in alignment with where you should be, it doesn't, doesn't really seem to, you know, to work and it doesn't do good things for your health. I do want to jump in and say something real quick about that, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, so many people think that like, oh, I need to make a million dollars a year or two million or 50 billion or whatever. Mm -hmm. Science has shown, actually, uh, they've done studies that after I believe it's one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year after that, the the it's diminishing returns at that point. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. your happiness is directly related to that to that certain level of income. But then as you go past it, it's it actually starts to cause more problems than it than 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 the money's actually worth that's not to say don't accumulate more it's just we don't need more than that like once you have Mm -hmm. food on the table shelter you have a place to drive to or whatever it is and 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 you can you know have a couple of vacations a year after that you don't get much 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 happier with much 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 more money so you know giving back and and doing charitable work and and Mm -hmm. serving being of service like that's where you derive the happiness from so just thought I'd throw that out there because so many yeah. people have this preconceived notion of I need to be a billionaire. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't. What are you going to do? Are we going to buy an island? What do you like? What do you need that <laughs> exactly. for? Exactly. It's the margin of the diminishing returns. I mean, at, at some point, it's like, what? what is the point? Unless, of course, you, you know, you give it all the way to charity and wonderful causes and things like that. And then it's great. But mm-hmm. let's say that most people don't do that. That's not the that's not the driving force, you know, behind most billionaires. So <laughs> Sadly, <laughs> maybe not most, but I, I definitely know some, some yes, that are, some yes. you know, yes, philanthropic. Absolutely. So, so I guess I, I did remind myself of my question. So as you've kind of gone through all of these different iterations of your life and, you know, jumping from this to that and the other, which is another thing that I can relate to with you. I have been that person too, that I've had so many different, you know, things people say, what do you do? It's like, well, what don't I do? You know, I'm kind of like all over the place. <laughs> But um, how how do you define success? You know, now that you've kind of been. Um, well, two two things. One, I want to address that uh, I don't. I, yes, I've done a lot of things. I feel like all of it, though, is kind of related to the same sort of thing. And and when I look at where my trajectory of my life is headed, every single thing that I've done, it's all working in unison for this current you know, iteration of everything that's going on. So I just want, I want everyone to understand that there's no such thing as wasted effort. There really isn't. You may think that there is at the time, but somewhere down the line, you're going to go, oh, wait, that's the reason I did this. That's the reason I have this experience. Oh my God, if I didn't do this, I wouldn't be able to get this done today. So just remember that everything that comes across your path is meant to be there. And the reason you'll know that it's meant to be there is because it's there. Mm -hmm. So just Mm -hmm. remember that. And that's borrowing a little bit from Eckhart Tolle, but the fact of the matter is, is that everything that you experience is meant to be experienced. So with that being said, uh, the the original question, which was, um, I'm forgetting how, it now. How do you, def- and, f- how- and by the way, thank you for throwing that in there. I, I completely agree. And all the crazy things I've done that may seem completely unrelated, I can look at every one of them now and say, oh, well, now I can do this because I did this, you know, and it's, 
it's all connected. Like I have a master's degree in instructional technology, which is online education. So had I not done that, it would have probably been a lot harder for me to pick up on all this podcasting stuff and doing my own production. And, you know, and now I'm planning on doing some online coaching and courses and things like that. But, you know, even though I haven't used this master's degree directly in, I don't know, 20 years now, you know, now it's all kind of coming full circle. So I completely agree with you about that. A hundred percent. And so I, I just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a very simple thing in, in that, you know, no person is one dimensional, like mm-hmm. nobody has that one thing and that's all they do. We all have the capacity for so much. And yeah. yes, there are certain things that we are uh, better at, or we have proclivities towards more than others. And we have specializing abilities in certain things, but no person is a two dimensional being. We all are multifaceted and have the ability to go into many different directions. It's about figuring out where you want to go. And so to, to your question of what I define as success, mm-hmm. I mean, wow. Um, success to me is, is literally going to bed at night going, wow, I love my life. So mm-hmm. success is whatever, whatever is, you know, could it be money? Sure. Could it be cars? Why not? Uh, to me, I, I feel successful knowing that I'm a good human being, that I've done something to help someone else on mm-hmm. a day, uh, that I've been a good dad, that I've been a good husband, that I um, succeeded in taking care of myself, that I had a day without any stomach issues. Uh, that unfortunately, and fortunately, that's part of it. You know, mm-hmm. when I when I think of, you know, we were talking originally before about why I don't make my my condition uh, or the condition that I I believe, as far as I'm concerned, it's not there. And, right. and so that's the big reason why I don't make it part of my story, because a story mm. is just that, you know, the kid who was 14 dealing with those stomach issues, that's not me anymore. I'm not that person anymore. I'm a different person today. And on a physiological level, even because every seven years, all of the cells in your body have completely been exchanged for new cells, which means every seven years, you are literally a new human being, like literally. So yeah, forget about, yeah. yeah, forget about the spiritual growth, forget about the personality growth, forget about all that, like on a physiological level, you're a new person every seven years. And so knowing that you have to be going, okay, well, wait a minute, I can start new. I can look at this and go, you know what? that's a story. I'm going to set it aside. It doesn't matter if you got cheated on. It doesn't matter if you were abused. It doesn't. And and I'm not, I'm not belittling your experience. I'm saying if it's not happening now, don't torture yourself with Mm. something that happened before anymore. You Mm -hmm. owe it to yourself to forgive and move on. That doesn't mean let the person back in your life. That doesn't mean go back to the same circumstance. It means forgive it take the lesson and move on. That's going to help you release stress and it's going to help you move into the now where the now is where the magic happens. So success for me is about going, okay, do I feel like a good person today? Yeah, great. I'm successful. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Tony, to to your point uh, that you were just making, you know, Tony Robbins says, divorce your story and marry the truth. So it's like, all that, all that story, all that stuff from, you know, your past doesn't have to be your, your future. You know, you, you decide what your, what your story is, you know, going forward. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's very simple. I mean, the story is simply that it's, it's stuff that happened. Mm -hmm. Do you, and also when we remember things that happened, you're not even remembering the thing that happened. You're remembering your first memory of the thing that happened. So Mm -hmm. you don't even know if you're remembering the right thing. You're remembering your, you're remembering your perception of the thing. So just let it all go. So, so Adam, if you could change 
anything like, well, let's just focus again, since this is the chronically courageous podcast, let's focus on the, you know, on the Crohn's. If you could say, you know, I, I, I'm going to eliminate that part of my life. There was some magical way to get rid of it. Would you do that? No. Okay. Tell me why. Short answer is no, because I believe that, you know, beyond the soul in the body and beyond the nurturing and so on and so forth, um, you know, nature, nurture, etc. I believe that our experiences shape us for who we are and they make us become who we are. And I, I, I love where my life is and I love the person that I am today in a healthy way. It's not like an ego thing. I, I love who I am. I, I, I know that I'm continually working to be better than I, I was yesterday. And so I'm hoping to do that. But at the end of the day, if I change any part of my past, then who I am today changes with that. So mm-hmm. I would never shift anything. I would never give any of it up because I, I feel like all of it was worth it and worthwhile. Right. And, and that's really what led you to the whole path of meditation, which was a profound change in your life, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, look, if you if you are uh, if your background is in yoga or or if you believe in reincarnation or any of any of that esoteric Eastern philosophy side of things. And I don't even want to call it esoteric, but I think you get the idea. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you you know that if 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 you do feel that way, then no matter what, you're going to find it in this lifetime, because anyone who comes to meditation uh, in this life has done it before. That's at least the way that it, it, it's viewed Hmm. in Eastern philosophy. So in other words, it was inevitable that I would go to this point because I was there before in a different life and I had to find it and continue my work. Karmically Mm. speaking, that's, that's sort of how it works. But at the end of the day, I don't know anything beyond what's here and now in this moment and what I've experienced in the past. And I don't even trust what I experienced in the past, because how do I know that that was really even real? Uh, in the moment. That was my perception of it. I don't know what mm. the, the, my mom always used to say, there's, there's three sides to every story. There's the person, one person, the other person, and then, and then the truth, right? Because we yeah. all have our perceptions and then there's the event that's actually happening. So exactly. So you can't even trust every single thing that's going on outside of you. So you might as well just work on becoming a better version of yourself and, mm. and then letting everything else fall where it may. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. So you know, a lot of my audience still is in the in the trenches of, you know, some sort of chronic illness or, um, you know, rare disease, etc. How, you know, being that you, you've been there, how would you recommend, like, what would be some tips that you could offer to help people to get out of that space of, you know, constant pain? And what, what things did you do? What can what can you offer to others? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, look, there, there's points where, you know, even now with all my practice and everything where I have moments of debilitating issues, it comes, mm-hmm. it happens. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, thankfully, I've had the ability to, um, you know, regulate that with natural means. Uh, you know, CBD is amazing for me. Mm-hmm. That works. Mm-hmm. I've looked mm-hmm. into I've looked into different things. And I'd rather, you know, there was a point in the last, uh, like about a year or two years ago where things were bad. And I was finding myself in the ER a couple times, uh, you know, mm-hmm. every every few months. And, um, and I had to take ibuprofen. So basically when I would go in, they would, they would shoot me up with the, with the uh, intravenous version of it. It's like essentially 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. Mm. Um, It's called Toradol is the, is the drug. I'm familiar. I've had it a time or two. (laughs) There you go. So, so the attending physician one time said, listen, if your stomach can handle it, when you feel this coming on, just take four Advil and it'll help you. And so I was like, okay, great. And so my, my thing is whenever I would have an event, cause I would call it an event, 
um, after the initial event where it was really bad, I would have aftershocks for like five, six days. And mm. so it's, it, it basically would take me out for a week from being normal. And so throughout the aftershocks, I was, I, I went through, there was a month where I went through almost an entire bottle of, of Advil <sighs> essentially. And that's mm. not good either. That's really that's bad good. for your body. Yes. And so that's when I kind of realized that, uh, that cannabis was going to be helpful in that, in that sphere. And thankfully mm -hmm. I've been, you know, knock on wood great ever since it's been over a year now. And I find that again, you know, as a kid or as a teenager or whatever, you're going to get involved in that. You're getting high. That's one thing. But as a grown up and you're using certain things to deal with, with pain, you're obviously not abusing it. You're using it to, you know, just deal with the, with the actual condition. I didn't know that this was a thing that actually helps, but it actually does. Now to yes. answer the question of how, if you're in the thick of it and you're in the trenches, right? The first thing I say is yes, Western medicine has things that can help you just get to a place of like a baseline normal, right? Mm -hmm. So get to that place of normal, right? Find a way, hopefully there is something that's that's available that can help you deal with the pain to get you out of that pain place because the pain place needs to be dealt with. Yes. Now you do also need to acknowledge it. You need to accept the pain. And I know that that sounds weird at first, but you cannot release a problem until you accept that you are holding on to it. Okay. So there's, there's psychological healing and then there's, there's physical healing. And so the psychological side of it is going, okay, I accept this. This is part of me for now. That's the first step. The next step is, okay, now let's deal with the pain. And let me tell you something. I know what it is to deal with pain because when I'm in the debilitating place, I'm, I'm out. There's nothing I can do. I can't focus. I can't move. I can't get up. I can't walk anywhere. I can't do anything. I'm done. Um, thank God I'm not in that place now. Yes. So, so for anyone listening, if you're in that place, I feel you, I understand you. I, 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 my heart goes out to you. Do what you need to do right now in the most healthy way possible to manage the issue. Then from there, find a meditation practice, find a way to visualize yourself in good health. Always mm. do this every day, do it twice a day, three times a day, four times a day, whatever it is, find yourself the right diet. That's going to help your condition. I don't know what that is for you. For me, I've been plant-based for 11 years and it's been wonderful. Even though I, I don't necessarily go raw all the time. As far as vegetables go, I, it has to be cooked for me, mm -hmm. but at the same time, that's been wonderful because I'm eating whole foods. I'm feeling amazing. And so again, you got to get your, got to get the, the acuteness dealt with first from yes. there, you've got to deal with your mind. And then from there you deal with your body. And, and that's, that's what I would recommend. Um, and of course be in touch with your doctors, be in touch with the people that you need to be in touch with, whether it's an Ayurvedic doctor, whether it's a medical doctor, whether it's both, both mm -hmm. is always a great mm -hmm. idea. Cause again, I'm a firm believer in Eastern and Western. Yes. Um, I don't think one is better than the other. I think deal with the root cause, but you need to put the bandaid on if you're bleeding, like, you know, absolutely. So, you know, using the gunshot analogy, you know, if, if you've been shot, you got to go to the hospital and get the gunshot treated. And then once that's treated, then you move out of the neighborhood where you got shot in. So, you know, <laughs> that's you know, a great analogy. Yes. Yes, that, yes, yes. You know, can't move out of the neighborhood till you've dealt with the bleeding. So, right. So it's a weird analogy, but it's but it's true. So yeah. find a way to get the, the pain taken care of. And then from there, make the lifestyle changes that will help 
uh, help your body thrive. Don't think of it from the perspective of my body is ill, my body is this. My Start with the daily affirmations. Your cells are listening to your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Your cells are listening to your words. They're listening to the vibration that you're putting out there. And so if you're constantly thinking the the words like I you know I'm sick I'm this I'm that I don't even like to say that even as a as a as a a matter of like discourse because mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is is your cells don't know the difference right. I am healthy I am well I am whole I am complete these are things you want to keep repeating to yourself and as you say them with your eyes closed see yourself surrounded in a in a brilliant white light if that works for you if that seems weird to you then don't see yourself strong fit healthy lean on top of a mountain whatever it is yeah but the power of visualization is immense. Absolutely, I agree. That is part of my meditation practice every day is the the visual, visualization piece, and you know, not just not just visualizing, but really embodying and feeling like what does it smell like? What is it? You know, how does my body feel? What is what does my mind feel? And I'll you know, sometimes I'll get so emotional about it that I'll I'll actually be sitting there like smiling. I'll have like a visible smile on my face, or sometimes tears, like you know, happy tears in many cases because I'm, I'm so, I'm so there. And, you know, like you said, your, you know, your, your mind does not know the difference between, um, you know, the, uh, I'm trying to think what it was that you said before. Help me out here, Adam. What's actually <laughs> happening outside of you and what's yes. going on inside of you. Yeah. Your, exactly. your brain doesn't know the difference. Your brain exactly. just, it, it's interpreting signals, right? Right. And that goes both ways. It's like, if you're, you know, if you're watching a scary movie, your body is internalizing that and that's not necessarily healthy for us. No. And yeah. And, you know, but if you're imagining all these great things, then, you know, you're in, in a lot of ways healing your body and taking yourself to that next better place. So good stuff. So we're, we're getting sh- kind of to the end of, sh- tour of our time, but can you just talk a little bit about your, your daily routine for how you, how you maintain your health spiritually, emotionally, and physically? Yeah. So, you know, for me, and this works for me personally, I tend to eat very much the same thing every day. And I'm mm-hmm. com- and I'm comfortable with that. My routine mm-hmm. allows me to to do that, and that doesn't mean that I'm you know super strict on it. Like sometimes I vary, but for me, I've I've shifted my focus, and I look at food as fuel for my body. Is this going to gunk up my engine, or is this going to fuel me for the day? And then the answer to that question dictates whether I'm going to eat said food. So. Right. <laughs> So yeah, so you know that's that's one thing. Uh, meditation is super super important to me, and and for the most part, I do meditate twice daily in the morning, and uh, you know when I first get up, and then at night. But if things happen, look, I have a nine year old son. We have a very busy life. You know, sometimes things get out of hand, and there's going to be periods of time where you know the morning meditation just it doesn't happen. So I'll find a way to do something else where I'll listen to something positive. But then at the end of the day, that that is not a meditation that I miss. It is just not one that is, you know, my son goes to bed before, before the wife and I hang out, we both have our meditation time and then we'll get, then we'll sit down on the couch and, and you know, whatever, if, if there's more work to be done or there's whatever it is to be, to, to, that has to happen, we'll do, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the meditation is not something that's not negotiable uh, at night. It, It has to happen. And it's one of those things where when you get into that routine and you do it for so often, if you do miss it, you get like FOMO. It's weird. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're, you're like, wait, wait, no, no, no. I have to, I have to get in there and, and get that, that, that presence, that, that visualization, that whatever it is that you're going to do, you, you, you tend to miss out on it. So, or feel like you're going to miss out on it if you don't do it. So right. that's essentially my routine. As far as the rest of the day goes, uh, you know, I try to stay present as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the mind wanders. It likes to, 
it, it, it makes it a, a, a terrible master, but a wonderful servant. Okay. <laughs> so use your mind to serve you if you can. It's very hard because I, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but we have over 60,000 thoughts a day. Mm, yes. And we we don't have control over those. Some of them come in from, you know, the ether. Some of them come in from the collective unconscious, depending on how you look at it. Some of them are generated because you're crazy. I don't mean you specifically. I just mean, <laughs> you know, I my brain, it doesn't shut off. Like it's yeah. just, uh, it always goes. And so breathing and meditation helps mitigate that. And so if we were to attach to every single thought that comes in and believe every single thought that comes in, it's a real mess. And some people do. So so really, it's about trying to stay as present as possible. And so a little tip or trick that I like to give people when I work with them or just anyone who's just talking to me about, you know, oh, no, I don't know what to do. It's stressing and da, da, da. Look, whenever you get into a situation where you are, um, your mind's running away, just take like three deep breaths. If you take mm-hmm. three deep breaths, your mind stops right there then it's my three by three. You take three deep breaths, notice three things in your surroundings. Doesn't matter what it is. Could be a smell, sight, sound, doesn't matter. But notice those three things because that centers you in the present moment. And then instantly think of three things you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. Uh, And trust me, if the first one is I can breathe, then great. Let it grow from there because I can breathe. Great. What else am I grateful for? Oh, you know what? I, I, my wife is here with me. Wonderful. I have a wife. You know, oh, great. I have, hey, I don't have to worry about paying rent this month or my mortgage is paid or whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. Find those three things because the breath work takes you into the, into, um, it stops your mind. The things that you're noticing in your surroundings centers you in the present moment. And then the things that you're grateful for raises your vibration a little bit to that happier place. And so you'll instantly feel better. It'll take you roughly, what, a minute to do this, maybe two well worth it. Minute, very well spent. Agreed. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, Adam, since the name of the show is the Chronically Courageous, how do you personally define courage? Uh, courage. Courage to me is is about being afraid of something and doing it anyway. It's mm-hmm. about not allowing anything to stand in the way of your beliefs, which that can be a, a little bit of a slippery slope depending on what the beliefs are, but. It's about believing in yourself no matter what the odds are. That to me is courage. It's it's about having that that unshakable uh, self-confidence that's rooted in in love and not mm. ego. Yes. That's courage yes. to me. That's beautiful. Yeah. So if we'd like to find you and what tell us also, I know you're you you and your wife are running courses and meditation. Can you talk a little bit about that and tell us what offerings you have? Yes, of course. Sure. So we both we both coach privately. So if uh, you know, if that's something needed, my wife teaches, she's actually an Ayurvedic uh, therapist. So she Mm. does uh, postures, herbs, all that wonderful stuff. And so she does consults for uh, with Ayurveda. We both coach in meditation and mindfulness. And you know, we can be reached, uh, you could just find me at my website, which is uh, theadamkruger.com. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, we also have some courses that we're offering uh, through IAUSM. It's I-A-U-S-M. It's the International Academy of Universal Self-Mastery. Hmm. And uh, we currently have a, a um, um, what's the word? A complimentary course that's out right now on Intro to Ayurveda. But we will have a few more courses on there as well. And we will be doing some, some you know, private things as well uh, down the line, but nothing is, is currently set in stone. Great. And I'd like to add also, I neglected to uh, say this at the beginning, but Adam is also the host of the Enhanced Living podcast, 
which is a wonderful podcast. I'm an I'm a regular listener of it. Really, um, you know, if you liked what you heard today, you're gonna you're gonna love hearing Adam's podcast. So definitely recommend that. And um, you also have an online group with your wife. Um, yes. The enhance is it is enhanced living also I believe it is the name of the group on Facebook. Yes. So I'll put all of that in the show notes so that people can um, find you. And you. Um, yeah, anything else you'd like to share, Adam? Um, yes, there is one thing I'd like to share. If you're if you're dealing with anything right now that's chronic, that's that's painful, that's whatever, don't give up hope. I, I know that that sounds maybe obvious on its face, but don't give up hope. Keep the faith that it's going to get better, because it's. It, it, I I know that in the depths of whatever illness you can possibly be suffering from, it's very easy to to feel lost and to to get to that hopeless place don't don't go there don't ever give up hope understand that it it can and will get better but you gotta you gotta lead with your belief mm -hmm. that's great thank you that was a wonderful addition i'm glad i asked the question thank you so much adam for being here today it was really a pleasure talking with you and sending you and sharice so much love and look forward to us talking again soon Thank you so much. And same to you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Of course, of course. It means the world to me that you took your time and energy to listen to this entire episode of The Chronically Courageous. If you know others that would benefit from listening, please share it with them. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your podcast player of choice. I welcome your feedback and questions. So please email me at bonnie at thechronicallycourageous.com. That's B-O-N-N-I at thechronicallycourageous.com. As always, I'm sending you so much love, happiness, and healing.